Friends, I want to revisit a subject I touched on in the last episode. What matters in a transient life, according to Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes? It's a really rich subject, and I only gave a glimpse of it last time. More critically, far more critically, I altogether neglected to mention the thing that matters most in a transient life. Fearing God. Here's the thing. Solomon says fearing God is the conclusion, the point of everything he says in the book of Ecclesiastes. And I would be doing us a disservice if I didn't stay here and address it. In Ecclesiastes 5 verse 7, Solomon says, In many dreams and in many words there is emptiness. Rather, fear God. That word emptiness is the same one as we saw last time in Psalm 39 when David refers to human life as mere breath. It's repeated again and again here in the book of Ecclesiastes whenever Solomon brings up vanity or striving after the wind. And of course, Ecclesiastes is Solomon's capstone on what is transient and what really matters. In the passage leading up to this verse, Solomon is contrasting the sacrifice of fools, which is being hasty and impulsive in thoughts, words, and vows before God, with the right posture in which to approach God, guarding one's steps, drawing near to listen, letting one's words be few, and paying one's vows. And then he says, for in many dreams and in many words there is emptiness, rather fear God. Within charismatic Christianity, we tend to assign a lot of value to dreams and words. After all, they are considered markers of a prophetic gift, which, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, is a spiritual gift we are to especially earnestly desire so we can build up, aid, and comfort one another. For me, it's one of the most encouraging things to have a sister or brother in Christ come alongside of me and say, I believe God gave me this word or this picture for you. And then it confirms something that God has already been speaking to me. Or maybe it introduces something completely new that I then seek God on and he leads me through this season of discovery about it. It's a blessing for me to be able to share with my sisters and brothers in Christ in similar ways. Here's the thing though, fearing God is better. Because there will be times when God is leading us to do something and that confirmation is not going to be there, but our obedience is still going to be asked of us. Later in Ecclesiastes 8 verses 11 through 12, Solomon says, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to do evil. Although a sinner does evil a hundred times and may lengthen his life, still I know that it will be well for those who fear God, who fear him openly. Here, Solomon draws the contrast between the transient and superficial benefits of sin with the well-being that accompanies fearing God. Because here's the thing, fearing God is the source of all well-being, no matter how much things may appear to the contrary. And sometimes, y'all, things do appear to the contrary, 
and we have to stand on faith in this. Finally, in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13, Solomon says, The conclusion, when all has been heard, is, Fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. Here's the thing. Fearing God is the only thing that lasts. Everything else is either transient itself or depends on something else that is transient. So what does it mean to fear God? The first time I ever taught outside of a Sunday school or Bible club was a devotional for a ladies retreat where our theme was walking daily in the fear of the Lord. I had never touched the subject of fearing God before, so the first thing I did in preparation was to get a definition out of the old trusty Bible dictionary. I don't remember the definition I was working with, but I do remember it contained a lot of different elements. And I remember thinking, fearing God is a tall order. At the time, I was a barista in this little coffee bar called Java Jams, and I remember comparing fearing God with getting a customer's drink order just right. It might surprise you, but there's a lot of precision that goes into making specialty espresso-based drinks. First of all, you have to pull the perfect shot. If you pack the coffee too tightly, the shot will be too strong. If you don't pack it tightly enough, the shot will be too weak. You have to get the coffee packed exactly right for the shot to have the exact amount of strength. When I would train people in this, I would call it Goldilocks and the three shots. Then you have to get the ratio of foam to steamed milk right. A cappuccino has more foam while a latte has more steamed milk. And of course, there are the personal adjustments you make for each customer. You want to get it right, because if you get it right, the customer is pleased and they're more likely to return. If you don't get it right, the customer is displeased. At best, you're going to be making the drink again. At worst, you could lose a customer. For me, fearing God meant getting God's order right. I remember being so proud of that illustration. Here's the thing. It was a terrible illustration. I remember looking over my notes several years later and realizing it was born out of human brokenness and dysfunction, not from knowing God. So if it's not about getting everything exactly right all of the time, what does it really mean to fear God? According to Brown Driver Briggs, the Hebrew word yare means to fear, to be afraid, to stand in awe of, to be awed, to reverence, to honor, to respect. Fearing God is about worship. In church culture, we often associate worship with praise. Certainly, praise is part of worship, but worship is so much more than praise. Worship is any thought, word, or action that gives God the priority and the weight He deserves. 
In my small but wise curriculum for kindergarten through fifth grade students, which I've linked to in the description, I describe it this way. Fearing God means putting him first and giving him our best. It's that simple and it's that challenging. Here's the thing. Fearing God informs everything else in our lives. In Ecclesiastes 3 verses 12 through 14, Solomon says, I know that there is nothing better than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks and sees good in all his labor, it is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will remain forever. There is nothing to add to it and there is nothing to take from it. For God has so worked that men should fear him. To be completely transparent, there are days when I struggle to see my life as a gift, let alone a gift that I was created to enjoy. I can't begin to fathom that I have anything that anyone else would want. I spiral into existential crises. And I'm in the book of Ecclesiastes often because, you know, Solomon gets it. Here's the thing. When I get into that headspace, something is off in my worship. I have not given God his rightful place or credit as my creator, as sovereign over my life and over all things. See, our ability to enjoy the lives God has given us waxes and wanes to the degree that we give God his rightful place and weight in our lives. Our ability to share the lives God has given us in our presence with and actions for others waxes and wanes to the degree that we give God his rightful place and weight in our lives. Here's the thing. Giving God his rightful place and weight in our lives is the only way our lives carry any weight. Even joy, connection, and generosity are transient without him. Until next time, have a wonderful week.